got a fun one for you today we got two topics that uh might not seem connected but <laughs> really really are we're going to be talking about the the ongoing uh i guess dumpster fire the rolling <laughs> train on fire that is elon musk uh and then we'll talk about the epidemic of loneliness uh that's sweeping not just the united states but much of the uh of the world um so but first Sarah, uh, what are you eating and what's eating you? Uh, immediately in front of me, I have my Mick Cafe that I forgot to drink this morning. Popped it in the microwave, put a little cocoa uh, mix in there. Now we got a little cheap mocha. Um, presently, it's blowing so it's so windy outside that it sort of sounds like um, kind of like a, a, a night veil sort of soundscape out there. You know what I mean? I like that. So you can just uh, sort of record some ambient uh, uh, background that noise for future spooky podcasts. Yeah, I was going to say whenever I decide to do my haunted mansion or something. Oh, then maybe we can do that for um, this year's Halloween episode. We'll do <laughs> yeah. a haunted a haunted mansion ASMR uh, uh, <laughs> podcast. What about you, Matt? Uh, what are, What are you eating, and what is eating you? So. Today, I had a wonderful pizza from uh, an Italian deli nearby, um, one of those that you like pop in the oven and uh, and you bake yourself, and it was $7, which is insane like, wow. for, for a pepperoni pizza, and it was absolutely delicious, um, and of course, the entire time I was eating it, Benny was staring at me hungrily from the balcony. <laughs> trying to plot a way to uh to be able to to steal it from me um, <laughs> uh and what's eating me um so uh the way that people so we're supposed to get some snow for like the first time now that it's nearly march we're supposed to get like a first real snowstorm perfect uh, of of the season and uh of course everyone's like panicking like buying out the freaking supermarket yeah and like i looked at it like yeah, we might not be able to go out tomorrow to get food, but uh, people are treating this as if they're getting ready for the rapture. But I don't. Why? Why is this a universal snow response? Like someone someone mentioned something that that is that struck me, which is like if you're an older person, um, you might have lived in an area where you would be snowed in for a week, like where like a couple inches of snow might just like you're, you're fucked. Um, but that we don't. That's not anywhere where i am and we still they still buy all the bread why do they yeah why buy all the bread i just, I just made sure that i had the appropriate vegetables for soup because i have uh bones yes. and clippings so i can just if things go go to shit uh i can just make a giant pot of soup and then i'll just deal with that for the rest of the day like a perpetual stew you might say exactly <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, so so let's let's move on so why are we talking about Elon Musk again? What what is this silly man boy been doing? So, what I what I love as uh you know the parable of our time. Like I feel like this is like kind of a little bit James Thurber esque. You know what I mean? Like he is such a comic, like a comical caricature of like late stage capitalism. You know what I mean? Like he is all pizzazz and absolutely no substance. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, 
my dear love sent me this article a few days ago, which was, yes, Elon Musk created a special system for showing you all his tweets first. So we like it's hard to describe somebody that's this vacuous of just like, you know, a wet sack of insecurity. But this is okay. At 2.36 on Monday morning, 2.36 a.m., James Musk sent an urgent message to Twitter engineers. Quote, we are debugging an issue with engagement across the platform, wrote Musk, a cousin of the Twitter CEO, tagging here in Slack to ensure that anyone online would see it. Any any people who can make dashboards and write software, please, can you help us solve this problem? This is high urgency. If you are willing to help out, please, thumbs up this post. Uh, the nature of the emergency became clear. Elon Musk's tweet about the Super Bowl got less engagement than President Joe Biden's. <laughs> So that's where he's at. And if you're wondering um, what the Tesla stock price is, um, it <laughs> is trading at $207 today, down to about half from its trading high uh, of about $400 a share. So but, if that but the fact question. that Joe Biden's tweet in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl got more engagement, that's the matter of high urgency mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. for our boy Elon. Mm-hmm. And what, what what can you imagine being that person? You're like, you know, you're at your Super Bowl party. You know, you're like, okay, I get to take a break from my job at Twitter. And they're like, it is code red. We need you here right now. Yeah. Right, leave your family, drop everything. And you're like, oh man, you're like, did our servers go down? What's going on? It's like, no. Yeah. Just like piss baby gonna cry. <laughs> Like you would think, I would think like, well, a pipe burst in one of our like largest, you know what I mean? Like it would be, well, it's something catastrophic. And then to come in and find out that it's because your son of an emerald miner, uh, emerald mine owner, piss baby of a boss is like, Joe Biden got more likes than my tweet. And then uh, he also is such a piss baby that he fires anyone who remotely tells him the truth. So he was like, why are my tweets not getting as much uh, as much traction? And one of his engineers were like, well, people might not be as interested in you as they once were. And he was like, wrong. And you're fired. And that is how Elon Musk operates. So David Graeber, who is an anthropologist, um, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Um, Mm -hmm. He tragically died a couple years ago, Um, but he had this great book called Bullshit Jobs. Amazing. And he categorized the bullshit job as a job that was so obviously lacking in social (laughs) utility or meaning that not only was it completely worthless, is that the person doing the job recognized that it was completely worthless, (laughs) which created a sort of like existential crisis in the person doing it. And like, what I feel Elon Musk has, what I think this reveals rather, is that in a lot of corporate America, you know, you can think about a job, you know, a job working at Twitter, perhaps at one point and maybe could be even now like a meaningful job. Right? Yeah, I was going to say it literally like was, uh, you know, necessary to create the um, uh, the Arab Spring. Like, you know, <laughs> there was a time when Twitter was performing like incredibly uh, necessary functions for democracy, you know. Yeah, exactly. But it shows you how this sort of like the bullshit job syndrome seeps its way into everything, because now you could be doing that same person and on the surface doing the same thing, you know, coding the platform. And it has transformed into a bullshit job because instead of like figuring out tools to help 
uh, uh, revolutionaries try to, you know, um, get more uh, equality or democracy in their cultures. Instead, you're you're troubleshooting how to make sure Elon Musk's tweets get as much engagement as Joe Biden's tweets, which literally, has obviously no social utility. Like literally one of the first things he said was replying directly to right wing propagandist cat turd about how he was going to make sure that he pops up higher in search results. <laughs> it reminds I, I, me. I, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, what, what does it remind you of? It remind you know we had our our previous conversation about toxic nonprofits, but like mm-hmm. it reminds me of like when the passionate founder gets like pushed out by a board, and then they bring in a new person, and they're like, "Listen, I think we really need to start talking about merch." And you're like, "Oh God, what happened?" And then, you know, at that point, it just becomes one person's like weird marketing vanity project, and you're like, "This doesn't." It might have even it might have mattered. It could have mattered, but it doesn't anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry about those mouth sounds. Uh, <laughs> Benny got up and then got real close to the mic and, <laughs> and decided to add his two cents, which was that, you know, he decided to lick his chops. Honestly, um, Bulldog ASMR is uh, another potential goldmine on TikTok. I believe in you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, I get it uh, quite often at night when I don't want it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I I have I call this like the parasite class that there's an entire class of jobs who essentially exist. And this is based off of the idea of the parasite in ancient Rome, who were basically people who existed to make like the ultra wealthy people feel good about themselves. They're basically yep. paid, paid friends. They were like the entourage. Right. Yep. And so you can think about, you know, like the PR people, the marketing managers, a lot of executives at companies, they're basically Elon Musk's entourage. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and this is in other corporations as well. And like, I think what's good about Elon is that he makes this sort of the artifice or the ridiculousness of corporate America. He brings it out into the uh, out into the light and then turns it up to 11. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is Elon's Veep moment. You know, this is his Veep meets Scrubs moment. Uh, Trump was the Veep presidency. You know, this is like the ultimate Veep company, and we just get to see just naked self interest, like compulsive self interest, on display constantly. Like I remember, I was working at um, one organization, and the president of the organization wanted to publish uh, an op ed commenting about uh, a Supreme Court nomination. And um, he sent out a a draft of it that evening and asked everybody for feedback. And I provided real feedback. He got really upset. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. What he wanted was for everyone to tell him how brilliant it was. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted. Um, So I'm like, oh, sorry, my bad. You're totally right. Like, (laughs) this is amazing. You've answered all my concerns. But he couldn't because it was drivel. It was regurgitated, bad, worse versions of other arguments yeah. other people's arguments um he couldn't get placed anywhere so the head of like the of, of like uh who handled all the media and stuff like this experienced guy had worked at major newspapers like got paid a lot of money so he spent like basically the entire day trying to find somewhere anywhere God. that would take this and eventually got published online at some minor um uh, law website and nobody read it but like <laughs> He spent essentially, you know, one day of his time 
plus all of the time that we had to do regurgitating it, plus the time of the president of the organization to write it. So probably several thousand dollars all in all of the organization's money through the time that we all, time and effort that we all spent to stroke the ego of the president so that he feels smart. (laughs) And like, because he couldn't get it published originally, like not enough people read my tweets. No one wants to read my bad article. Yeah. Um, it's suddenly everybody's emergency. <laughs> yeah. 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 In fact, I used to work at a company um, where my job was to do like the blog posts of um, CEOs. Like I was ghostwriting, but like mm-hmm. I was hired literally to translate like someone's scribbled notes into something that sounds like a thoughtful and human like piece of writing but just like a friendly one for like you know just like people coming hanging out on a website like seo whatever uh and i thought it was i thought it was a joke that like executives don't really like some do i don't want to hear it in the i don't want to hear it about it but like some do whatever most of them really don't like most people in executive positions are not even project managers. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that would be hilarious if like they were actually had any kind of on the ground experience with this stuff. Like when I worked for this alt weekly, which I loved and felt performed a very like essential service, which is to be like free information that was available. If you didn't have a computer, like even if you weren't online, you could still pick up a paper, you could still know about arts and whatever. And I thought that was really important. And then when I realized that we were working for the heir to a banking company who would say things like, I don't know why you can't just turn out like an eight page insert, like in a few hours, because he's never had a job. And you're like, oh, my God, this is all for you. This is so you can feel like you're doing something as you just spend the inheritance you would have anyway. Yeah, it's so that he can feel important. Yeah, and Elon Musk is doing the same thing. So if you don't know, I know we probably covered this last time. I fucking love dunking on Elon Musk, so plan to hear on this, hear about this more. But uh, every company that he has been called a founder of, he bought a controlling share in and then sued the founders to be called a founder of it. And I don't mean like one and then he found it. No, all of them, all of them, SpaceX, Tesla, PayPal, all of them were functioning companies that he bought a a controlling interest in with money he already had and then sued them for the right to be called a founder. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes I joke that we, like, live in the fail-son economy. We do. That, like, the economy is basically just, like, pet projects of yeah. fail-sons, uh, <laughs> which explains why nothing ever actually gets done. Uh, why we're not doing anything particularly useful because you can be like, you know, hey, we should be we should be doing actually useful things like figuring out, you know, lower cost treatments for X, Y and Z. And they're just like, but like, I think we really need another dating app. This is this is why, like it used in the golden age of Twitter, pre in pre Elon Twitter, if you will, P.E., uh, people would like these Silicon Valley fucking dipshits would say like, you know, I just feel like we need like a larger car that's like goes to, like a certain fixed number of places and like also takes people to like a place where like a lot of people go. You mean the bus? Yeah. Are you talking about <laughs> public transit? Yeah. We need that- something that you can just like program to like cook food automatically. A toaster oven? 
Yeah. Are you talking about a toaster <laughs> oven? Yeah. That is my, my one of my favorite genres of things is when tech bros rediscover basic things that already exist, like uh, tech bros who pitched uh, a, a way for communities to pool their money to solve problems within their community. I'm oh like, you God. have you have discovered taxes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then they're like, no, it's not like taxes because like, no, it's just the people in a community, they choose to do it. It's like, yes. Yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, we call that a society. That's what we call that yeah. is a society. I am I am astonished at how many times the same problem can be warmed in the microwave over and over and over again. But like <clears throat> it doesn't matter. It's not their money, right? It's like SoftBank's money. This is like coming from <laughs> from Dubai, right? Like it's coming from uh um Saudi Arabia. So like who fucking cares? Like let them pass around the same $2 billion and reinvent juicers over and over again and drink raw water oh. and hope more of them die every time. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, speaking about, imagine being like the engineer who's there to like help iterate Juicero, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. And like, there was, um, uh, I, uh, when I was listening to, uh, uh, YouTube video, there was a discussion about someone, uh, who had, I can't remember who it was from. I think it was either, I think it was uh, Philosophy Tube. Can't remember. Um, uh, they were talking about how basically there's this setup for uh, engagement, personalizing content, and then it got corporatized. That what yep. like individual creators had made sort of naturally in formats they figured out naturally, people who are already sort of part of the media ecosystem made like a version instead of like the actual like uh, uh person founder of the company it was like a paid actor yep. and then like a camera crew and everything and they were like adding laughs and sound effects and stuff in post <laughs> you know which is like as much as i love you know our podcast uh i do not add laughter in post thank fuck uh, yeah, like, I'm not going pew, pew, pew. No, I'm not adding, like, a lot of production value here. It's like, you know, we compress, we normalize, and that's about it. I really um, wanted one of those, like, uh, rattlesnake, rattlesnake stings, you know what I mean? Like a... Yeah, or yeah. one of those whip cracks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, uh, so I, I feel... But, and imagine being that. Like, let's say you're, you know, I, most of the people I know who work in audio production, now that you and I both worked in audio production, in some degree, we do it because, like, we there were, like, m amazing albums or whatever it was that we found really yeah. inspiring. Nobody went in to be like, you know, I really want to uh, make sure that the AstroTurfed podcast for, like, um, <laughs> for, like, Nestle, you know, has, like, the right audio fidelity. <laughs> You know, nobody goes into it for that. You know, I'm going to use my craft uh, oh, to make sure that this paid actor sounds vaguely authentic when he's reading off of a script. But you know what, though? Like, on the flip side, sadly, that is also, uh, we, we should put this out there. Like, that is the nature of creative jobs. If you're thinking about going into it, you know, if you're thinking about going into live sound, you're going to be miking up uh you know the rolling stones one night but the other seven it's going to be like motivational speakers and like christian rock bands and and uh uh the wiggles you know what i mean yeah i, I am honestly surprised that um elon hasn't tried to become a motivational speaker yet 
I'm That's surprised a- that he hasn't launched his own like cult. I think he I think on some level he fundamentally understands that he is a deeply unlikable person, you know? Yeah. yeah. At least and, maybe interpersonally, because like yeah. he thinks that he's engaging in his online persona. He 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 wants he wants the person that he thinks he is online to be who he is. When like mm. in reality, every wife he's ever had is publicly and loudly glad to be rid of him. You know, like his mom clearly detests him with ever every single fiber of her being. Like, did not want to be a mother of these two children or married to this horrible man who cheated on her constantly. It sounds like, like mm-hmm. they're just awful. Um, Elon's brother. Um, oh my God. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He opened a couple restaurants here in Indianapolis. So he like hung out here for a little while. He is also insufferable just in a different way. And he always wears a cowboy hat, which the way that oh. I know that you have no idea what cowboy culture is, is you leave your hat on when you come inside. You know what I mean? You're in an intimate dining setting with a big fucking 10 gallon on your head, like a goddamn dumbass. Yep. <laughs> so he's all uh, hat, no cattle. He's all hat, no cattle. Yep. Uh, would... For those. Yeah. It's a, it's a great phrase, by the way. Uh, I, I prompt everyone to use that phrase. <laughs> Um, and I mean, that's like a sign of my Midwest, maybe, uh, <laughs> my time in the Midwest coming out, but I've definitely used that, um, in work settings and had everyone stare at me having no idea what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> I love Midwesternisms because my mom is full of them. Like, uh, one of my favorites is I'm busier than a one-legged man in an ass kicking contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like a one-armed paper hanger with a case of the crabs. Uh, I also like a weird one, which is, uh, I knew you when Samson was a pup and he's a big dog now. Um, oh, yeah, just That's all over good. the place. Yeah. I'm going to add that one. That, that was one I was not, not, not familiar with. So yeah. <laughs> definitely adding that in. And like, so I, I think, I mean, to get back to the basic core of this, like, <laughs> yes, like at this point, you know, what even is why does twitter exist right i mean a great question like i i think that it's one of those things where like we would all really like to make sense of this you know what i mean like in the same way that we would like to make sense of a lot of things that don't make any sense and it's like well there's no way that this genius who's so brilliant would just waste 44 billion dollars on something that's going to crash and burn immediately fire every legacy employee basically that they ever had running on a skeleton crew it's it's now starting to experience the outages that people were predicting mm-hmm. uh obviously a smart man like that wouldn't do that without some reason and it's like wow you have two premises of that wrong like you are like first one right off the bat gonna disagree with you not a genius and two like no yeah that's he's really doing it so he can be king of the trolls that's it yeah oh like he's doing it to try to fight i mean at this point twitter exists basically for whatever reason elon wants basically to like fluff his ego and he's willing to light all the money on fire for it like it just doesn't matter because at the end it's not really his money that's right right um, and money's not real to him anyway. It's just something he keeps score with. Like no matter how much he loses, it's not going to materially impact his life. Like right? you can see in, in the release of those, uh, text documents, you can see him talking to people like Larry Ellison and Larry Ellison's just like, yeah, I'll give you 2 million or $2 million. Like, don't worry about it. Like, 
it's pocket change to Larry Ellison and it's pocket change to Elon Musk. And it's not money. He like, you know, it won't impact his life personally. But if you looked at any of those texts, which by the way, the reason that those got released is Elon Musk thought this was one of those like 5d fucking chess moves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he thought that like he would, that the lawyers for Twitter would somehow like require things to be redacted. But like Twitter goes through the text messages and they're like, well, we don't, there's nothing here that we need to redact. So like, sure, we'll just release it. And then you have all of fucking Elon Musk dipshit twat friends saying fucked up shit. Like we have to solve for free speech. Just nonsense. Just brain worms. (laughs) Just Swiss cheese brain ideas in a bouquet. Mm -hmm. I I, I was lucky enough to read, um, and I, I mean, I invite him onto the onto the show, hopefully, f- to be able to talk to us about this. But like, uh, one of my mentors, I'm a former professor, uh, Greg McGarry, and he's been working on a book. I got to read uh, one of the chapters from his book. And it's, it's about the tension between first and the first and second amendment. Mm. And whenever I listen to him grapple with really thorny issues of of speech and power, right, of justice yeah. and how it intersects with with speech and expression, like I get. It, it becomes clear to me how difficult and naughty these questions are sure. and how very smart people have been engaging and wrestling with them for a very long time. And then I hear how these tech bros like come into something about free speech and expression, in the public square. And they're just like, Oh yeah, we just need to solve for free speech. Like Literally, as if that is word. a coherent thought. Correct. Correct. Word for word. That is like one of the text messages. And <clears throat> it's like it's something that you can that you can plug into an algorithm. <laughs> correct. And they all have this like compulsive they see themselves as first as like small geniuses and if things don't bend to their idea of like what it should be, it's a problem with the thing, right? Like so we mm-hmm. have to fix the thing and anyone who says like well it's not actually the thing, they they have to be fired. They must go immediately because the the egos are so fragile. And uh you know, our, our, our sort of B plot here is about loneliness. And it's like the, the front side of loneliness is also like, maybe you're a prick. Like, Mm -hmm. have you considered the fact that you're a dickhead? Like Elon (laughs) Musk. Let's pivot. Let's pivot to that then. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, we are, we are going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm turning the plane right now, but you know, like there was one study that they talked about in an episode of You're Wrong About where it was like they um, were kind of looking for the common traits amongst lonely people. And some of them were just that they're super annoying. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, there's a guy that I won't give a lot of detail on how I know him because he'll know immediately that it is him. No, fuck it. There's a guy at my um, farmer's market, my winter market that like talks to me and women and just like talks to people. And they have they are by all signals done talking to him. Or don't want to talk. And he will talk at you until you acknowledge him. And you're like, yeah, okay. Like, uh-huh. And he is a lonely man. And do you know why? Because he's fucking irritating. <laughs> that, I've, I mean, I can just draw from personal experience that I know that the times when I've felt the loneliness, loneliest is because I was the least interesting or fun to hang out with. Yeah. Right Or, yeah, in my situation, it was when I had convinced myself that what I didn't need was antidepressants, even though what I needed was antidepressants. <laughs> okay, so, like, to, 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 to give an example to show that this isn't just about, like, you know, that, that guy, I'm, I'm just going to try to be a little bit kinder. So, like, yeah. I think everyone, 
everyone he everyone has had times when they've realized in retrospect that they like cringe at who they used to be and the way they used to act oh yeah right and i remember like early in college because like college uh like fraternity life was not really for me so i was struggling Mm -hmm. socially to figure out where i fit in uh with all of that stuff and like defining my idea of masculinity what it was to you know like uh, uh, to define a masculinity exterior to sort of this um, like uh, uh, frat bro sort of persona that just didn't suit me at all. And because of that, like I came off as like insecure and needy. Yeah. Which like I get cause I was insecure and needy. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, uh, you can see why people who were not insecure and needy would be like, yeah, you know, like let's not spend as much time with this guy. Yeah. But I, by the time, you know, I, I entered junior and senior year of college, like I had, I had muddled my way through <coughs> shit. Um, I had gotten a better haircut and like improved the way I dressed yeah. and like expanded my friend circle and sort of like uh, decided I wasn't going to focus on dating. I was just going to, you know, focus on having a good time with my friends and doing yeah. things that I enjoyed. And suddenly that made, you know, dating and all that stuff much, much easier. Whoa, crazy. And, and I think, you know, everyone has that, has those moments or those phases. The problem I think becomes is like, instead of taking like a good introspective look, like, you know, how am I contributing to this? You can tell that someone like Elon has externalized all of the causes of his own aching bone deep loneliness. And like loneliness that we're talking about here isn't like, oh, I don't see other people. Right. Right. It's social isolation, even if you are surrounded by other people. It's lacking yep. that real connection. Yep. And you can so <clears throat> everybody knows that I love the story about Elon Musk that he told about his first wife, or that his first wife wrote about where she said, um, uh, you wouldn't you treat me like one of your employees and Elon Musk fired back. If you were one of my employees, I'd fire you, which is a great way to just build a relationship in a marriage. Yeah. Um, but like w- when we talk about the things that separate like lonely people who can turn it around and lonely people who are doomed, basically, is like you're doomed by your own ego. And exactly like mm-hmm. you said, like if you're not willing to hear feedback on like uh, nobody likes me, by the way, there's an amazing interview. I may have read it the first time we talked about this, but um, I think it's Neil. Yeah, it's Neil Strauss because Neil Strauss wrote The Game. Are you familiar with The Game? Oh, Uh, yes. Unfortunately. Yes. I read it when I was in college because I was like, I need to know about more about this culture. And like before I encounter one of these fuck sticks. Anyway, Neil Strauss talks to Elon Musk, who at the time is lamenting that he like can't live and breathe without a partner and he just needs a woman around so bad and neil fucking strauss who wrote the game which is about a uh, pickup artist culture is like hey that sounds like you're being really like codependent and like i think it's bad for you and like maybe you need to like spend some time as a single man and figure out who you are and elon musk without missing a beat says no i can only be complete with a partner and it's like oh okay well fuck me then like <laughs> stay insecure needy guy forever like if you're not willing to if you're not willing to change it all or hear any feedback like all the fucking nobody likes nice guys number one you're not that nice number two you have very little to offer just today just today on tiktok i got into it like a do mm. with a person who was like uh i was like well what like <laughs> it was a guy who was like um 
I don't hate women. I've given up on women. I'm voluntarily celibate. And I said, uh, okay. So he's a ball cell? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, um, I'm, I won't let myself be used by a woman. And I said, pray tell, sir, what is useful about you? Enough to be abused. Yeah. And he was like, uh, well, I can like... <laughs> Who's going to do your brakes? Who's going to change your tire and f- change your oil? And I was like, Midas. Yeah. I was going to be like, yeah, I can literally just hire someone to do that. Literally just say, like, I believe my value to a relationship is the monthly value of a AAA membership amortized over a lifetime. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> that is, like, that is deeply sad. Like, yeah. Imagine being asked, so what What do you bring to a relationship? The only thing you can think of is the most stupid and stereotypical possible thing. And also not, and something that literally millions you, of other people can provide. Literally that you can learn from YouTube, that you can yeah. go to the old pet boys and say hi to Rodney behind the counter who will teach you how to do it because it's boring working at pet boys and Rodney would love to teach you. Like if you're... Breaking down your partner value down to like labor skill. Yeah. Bro. Oh, oh yes. God. It's, it's, so, that's really, yeah, that is, man, and, I, that guy, and, that guy, I just like, I kind of just want to like give him a hug and be like, hey, man, let's grab a beer and like talk this through. Yeah. Like my former uh, guy I dated for seven fucking years. <clears throat> that's wild. Um, you know, he maintained kind of like a, um, uh, like an older wolf wolf pack that like nudged the younger wolves in the pack when they would not behave. And one guy, one of this, this kid, um, would not stop harassing girls at school and Mm -hmm. they took him out for lunch and they're like, listen, this isn't funny. Like, this isn't funny. This isn't like a cute thing you can do. Like you are being a menace and you're either going to follow this down its inevitable conclusion and end up in jail or be a domestic abuser or something. But like at that point, when it starts getting serious, we're not going to have breakfast next time. We're going to beat the shit out of you. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I know that sounds like not the solution, but when it's somebody who doesn't understand boundaries beyond human power, you know, human body, yeah. physical domination power over another person, and that's how they gain their power. Like, I mean, unfortunately... This this is the the next time you act like that, we're gonna kick your ass is like the conversation that no one ever had with the bad kind of lonely person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And almost luckily for for that guy, like someone could have that conversation and he could and he has to listen to some degree because yeah. he's not in a position where he can be like like, well, I'm well, you're just fired. Yeah. You know? And you know, one thing I I think that really damages people like Elon. Or, you know, people of his ilk, the uh, the sort of tech bros of the world, is that a lot of time, by, you know, by sheer dint of getting the money and power that they've had, whether they inherited it, whether they got it through, you know, through their work or whatever, they lose the real benefit of having people in their lives who can tell them f- openly and freely that they're being a dumbass and then yep. not having a way to be able to – and then – they have to internalize it to some degree rather than being, being able to externalize it because like there are boundaries when, you know, uh, when you have a friend group and you can't just be like, you know what, fuck all of you. And I'm just going to pay all these people to have to spend time with me. Yeah. 
ultimately, yeah. <clears throat> ultimately, when I when like when you're talking about the elimination of boundaries, like I think no matter if you're a celebrity, if you are a high power executive, if you're just like super wealthy, the same illness takes you over, which mm-hmm. is people's boundaries dissolve in a way that you think that they're doing that of their own volition, right? Like uh, Dan Harmon talked about when he was like kind of dealing with himself and like the things he had done to women in Hollywood is he's like, I really thought those women just liked me because they liked me. Not that I was their boss, not that I was a guy who was super well connected and had a ton of power and like infinitely more power than they would ever have as like an up and coming actress or whatever. Um, And you get this idea that like, not only is everything that you ever wanted, like totally cool, like no problem, but that everybody who jumps out of bed at two o'clock in the morning to get it for you is just like happy to get it for you because you give them the opportunity to do the job, you know? (laughs) That sounds like someone who's never been on the other end of that dynamic. Yeah. That's that's the only way that you get there. Like that's so interesting. People who have had, any one single working class job like when you talk to people in hollywood like people who are personal assistants there are people who work for normal people who are like this is a job you're not my slave etc etc and then there's everybody who has never worked a real job a single goddamn day Mm -hmm. in their life and they're like i'm glad that i can give you the opportunity to be my indentured servant and treat you as such (laughs) oh which is so deeply weird um because i can't imagine so what like one of the big things the suggestions for uh like get becoming less lonely is to create real social connection like real relationships with people like get out volunteer like do nice things for other people without any expectation of reward or benefit i think that is for certain classes of people people who are particularly privileged like I think that they never wind up in a situation where yep. they can actually build those real connections, at least. And um, I think that's actually deeply sad in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't feel particularly sad for Elon. Like he's had every opportunity and like millions of people giving him good advice. Like well, everyone on Twitter who's told you, Elon, like get off of Twitter, turn the company over to someone who can make better use of it and like get some therapy. Yeah. They're giving you really good advice. Do you know the Jack Dorsey, the last person to give uh, to give good <laughs> advice what, to Elon Musk was Jack Dorsey, who said, stop fucking tweeting. Stop yeah. fucking tweeting about Twitter. And Elon Musk, in response, um, forced the, him to force the board to kick him off the board. So <laughs> nice. Cool. I mean, this is what I mean by like externalizing it. Right. Yeah. It's the ultimate. No, it's the kids who are wrong. Yeah. Moment. Right. Uh, and, and uh, there, so I, I talk a lot about like, uh, uh, I think a lot about power, right. And how, yeah. how different power dynamics work. And I think that one of the most corrosive, uh, parts of having power is not that is, and this is, I think, useful a way to think about it is it doesn't like change the way people, what people want to do. Yeah. Instead, it reveals what they've always wanted to do all along. Correct. Right. So like if you're a really good person and you get power, but all you've ever wanted to do is help people. Mm-hmm. Right. Then when you get the power, you're going to go and help people with the power that you get. Yep. But if what you if what you've always wanted to do is that is punish the people who tell you things that you don't want to hear. Right. 
Yeah. Then when you get power, you're not going to suddenly like become some sort of like wonderful, virtuous person. No, you're going to just start using that power to punish the people who tell you things that you didn't like. Like if you're the deeply resentful kid who is like, I feel like this was Elon to a T and this is me just psychoanalyzing from afar. So don't take this seriously. But he seems to me like the kind of kid who like might've would have been told to like clean his room and like, would have complained and fought it, but then like felt he would have to do it at a certain point. But in yeah. his mind, he's like, well, one day I can just tell people to fucking clean my room. I can just make them clean my room instead. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right? a, it's, it's Catherine Heigl syndrome. Like, are you familiar that she's like kind of a famous terror in Hollywood? Like that, like the moment, you know, she was at, at, at her greatest, she was like maybe C list, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And she became legendary, which is why you don't see her in anything because she was, like the moment she got a little bit of power on set, she was just terrorizing PAs like constantly. And it's like, girl, you are on Grey's Anatomy and you're in 27 dresses. Like you need to like take some deep breaths, my friend. Yeah. And, and then you wonder like why some people like Keanu, for example, yeah. who, like, you know, have sort of persisted forever. It's because like he's just like a deeply awesome person that people like being around drink water mind your business don't be racist like it's very simple it's very simple um (laughs) and like even someone like i think tom cruise has many many issues and problems uh in like his public persona and but like as someone to work with for other people in the in the cast and the crew he apparently is wonderful yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, meanwhile, like, do you do you know that Kevin Costner is like heavily invested in ocean cleaning technologies? That's really funny. Because he did Waterworld, right? Yeah, and they're out that's... doing Waterworld and he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, there's trash all over the place. And so he just started investing his goddamn Dances with Wolves money into these ocean cleaning projects. And then the BP oil spill happened and da 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 da, Kevin Costner to the rescue. So that that is awesome. Isn't that the that, best ever? He was just like, man, I've been out in the ocean a lot, and all I've seen here is garbage. And it was like trash. a huge part of the you know the production was like going around and making sure that the trash was removed before the shots. You know what I mean? And he's like, you know what? I can do something about this, and I think we can do it with like buoys filled with hay and hair. And, and the funny did. thing is, I bet that made his life a lot better. I bet yes. he is a much happier person because yep. he's found something useful to do, and he's gone out and found other people who care about it too and this is something like i always you know uh they're in one forum i'm on um there are a lot of uh young men it's a gaming forum so there are a Mm -hmm. lot of young men on the forum and there's a dating advice thing where you know some of the older people give like basic advice you know help them with profiles pictures those sorts of things yeah it's like nerds help like elder nerds helping nerds um and one thing that we always say is that like yeah like a lot of these young men are very, very lonely. Yeah. And the biggest piece of advice, and I think one of the hardest one is just like, so you say that you really, you know, you really love dogs, right? Like, uh, why don't you volunteer at this shelter near you? Just go volunteer, walk the dogs. You will naturally meet people who care about it too. Don't go in with any expectation. You're going to date any of them. Just get to know them, hang out with them after work, whatever it might be. Um, and through those people, you'll meet other people and other people. And then I promise you, you will be happier. You might yeah. not get the girlfriend or whatever, but like that might not directly lead to you getting the girlfriend. But we can tell you, it'll get you a hell of a lot closer. I'm so. Um, I mean, we we have to come back to this over and over again because I 
kindly, I have a lot of men in my life, not a lot, but like a handful of men who still do that teenage, like, girls don't like me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I no one wants to date me. And it's like, yeah, you act like that. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's correct. Yeah. You have nailed, you have nailed the vibe. Like, just do anything that takes you out of your routine. Like, do it. Like, one time I joined a trampoline dodgeball league. Now, did I almost die from exhaustion? Absolutely. Every that single sounds, week. That's like my childhood dream. <laughs> it was fun, except for everybody. Like, we were the um, the bad news bears of the trampoline dodgeball oh, team. And nice. we were, like, smoking and drinking hams in the parking lot. And then we got in there, and it's the rest. Everybody else was like, uh, hey, I'm a lawyer. Um, I'm going to smash your face in with the squishy ball. And I'm like, oh, I'm what? scared. They were no, I not. Want, I want that Sandlot version. Of, that's what, that's what we thought we were league. doing. Yeah, it's a trampoline dodgeball league. It's the trampolines and dodgeball. These are two. These are these are merry making sports, and yeah, we see, thought they were going to get you know matched up, but it's apparently for people who like, I don't know, were waiting for Peloton to exist or something. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys, do you really need to ruin this too? And and the best part was like the dude who was there being our referee was like a very chill dude who just like worked at the sky zone. And a few times the bad news bears would exchange some knowing glances because he was just like, okay, like a couple of times he had to be like, bro, uh, no offense, but like it's trampling dodgeball. Like it's a Circle City Athletic Sports League. Like it's okay. You have yeah. to relax. This guy was like, well, I just like think that like maybe it was a little bit off center, like the like the starting. And he was like, it, Jesus Christ, it's trampoline dodgeball. You paid thirty dollars yeah. to be here. So I mean, just chill the fuck out. Yeah. Like, like if you're going real fucking hard at laser tag, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like get, you, you need you need to not be here. You need to do something else. Yeah. Um, but even but, laser tag, you know, j- create a laser tag group. Do all these things without the pursuit of like getting your dick yeah. wet in some way or another, and then it will it will wet itself, if you will. There, there is this one one of the the tri- miniature triumphs we have is there's one guy uh, who was uh, newly out of college, like had a job, but was like you know struggling to make friends. He wasn't the most social because you know one of the isolating things, particularly if you move somewhere new that you don't know anyone, and for and the only people you know are at work, it can be hard to make friends. And we're just like you know what. Um, he really loved, he loved chess he, um, and chess can feel very, you know, isolating. We're just like, you know what? Um, why don't you um, just do some chess tutoring for kids? Like after work, you know, there a lot, you usually go to a local library. People will pay you a little bit extra. But I'm like, but the big thing that you'll get there having done tutoring myself is that you'll meet all the other tutors eventually. Yep. Cause you'll all see who's like the regulars. Um, and you'll also maybe make friends with some of the the parents or like the older siblings or whatever. Like, and he did this for a few months and he's like, he just found he really enjoyed working with the kids. And I'm like, at the worst, you're going to have a good time with these kids. Like they're going to get super excited about something you really care about, which is chess. You'll see them get better. It'll be rewarding. Yeah. I'm like, go with no expectation. Just be friendly to anybody you talk to. And then finally there was, there was one day, it was a weekend and you know, it was around, it was around lunchtime. And he had just finished up and he had a little gap. And so he saw another tutor who was just sitting there and like eating her lunch. And we just said, you know, in those moments, just like go and make talk, be like, Hey, like I see you here sometimes. What are you tutoring? That sort of thing. So he's like, you know, here's my opportunity. Um, goes, sits down, you know, starts chatting her up. Turns out she's there like teaching math and they get a really great t- connection and they start, and they start dating oh, uh, based I off of it. that. 
right? Like, yeah, uh, they they did. They also got married, which is oh, I love like, it. I yeah, love it. which is incredible. <laughs> but it was because, but like the way for him to get through it, right, was simply to like he could have been like, well, you know, fuck capitalism and my work, like fuck these, like maybe I should go clubbing and be a Chad. Maybe my facial bones need adjusting. Like, no, like. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like yeah make sure you have a bit be- like we helped him like figure out a better haircut and how to dress a little bit yeah. better but it was literally the basics of like go to places other people are do something you're interested in find other people who are interested in something similar treat them like human being <laughs> like see what happens with some exceptions <clears throat> if you have a successful D game going right now do not fuck anyone in that group no that's sacred that's one uh, I think the second one too is that like there, there's always been a lot of like narrative juice to the idea of like making men feel I think young men feel lonelier than they really are or it's just mm-hmm. like like one of the things that drives me crazy about the way the media portrays male sexuality especially like adolescent male sexuality is it turns into like a gross joke and uh-huh. instead like you know if we had people taking that a little bit more seriously the same way that we do like women's sexuality like you know minus all the weird purity culture shit but like it's okay to feel bad after rejection we are like a a human impulse is to feel terrible after people reject you but like number one repeat this back to yourself all the time i am not for everyone and Mm -hmm. if you throw in the towel i used to work with this woman who i lovingly with all the love of my heart wanted to choke with my bare hands and the reason is she talked she was so cute she was fun she was creative and she got divorced and she talked about herself like she was the most unfuckable unlovable worthless hag and i was like you're adorable and she's like I'm, i just i don't believe in love anymore and i'm just like never dating again oh. and at some point i had to say like listen girl like i understand how your feelings like i understand this is your feeling but like at some point you have to choose something else because you are choosing to be lonely. This is not, you are making up a myth about yourself and then making it true by just self-fulfilling prophecy. And I just am not going to let you talk about yourself like that. And -hmm. more importantly, I'm not going to fucking listen to you do this boohoo bullshit one more time. You know what I mean? You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) And and note that this is like that. That's the problem for some people, right? Is that they're just like, Oh yeah, you're fired. Um, but like, I think that's really good advice you gave her. I think that's it's wonderful advice because it's like with love, like your like like your self talk, right? Yeah. You're just like your self talk needs needs to be better because you see her the different person, right? Yeah. You see a, a, the 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 value there, and I'm, I'm going to be real that like so uh, in the last couple months, like I had one date with a, a wonderful woman, and she was interested, and I wasn't, hmm. and then I had a date with someone else, and I was interested, and she wasn't. Yep. And like in the first situation it's like, there was nothing wrong with her. There was nothing wrong. It was just, I wasn't attracted to her. Yeah. Fine. And in the other one, like it was clear she wasn't attracted to me. Fine. And there's a, there's like an ego protecting move where it can be like, you know, Oh, they're just shallow or just like how they dare not see the wonderful radiant me. Right. Of course. And, and I get that. And I understand why rejection sucks. You know, nobody likes, you know, feeling, uh, feeling rejected. But one thing I try to get across is that if you ask someone out on a date, as long as you do it respectfully, 
um, and they say no, you're in the same situation as you would have been, as you already were. You you don't have a date. Like, okay, no harm, no foul. And if you're worried, I mean, not that anybody, I don't know if, if this is like a real, you know, thing, a real fear that guys experience, but it's like, if you're worried about making it weird, like it is possible to ask, okay, first of all, if you never got any vibes and you're like six months in, bad, don't ask. But like, yeah. if you just like started a, like you said, a volunteer activity and you meet someone who's cool, like just ask them out for a coffee, super yeah. cash, but like do it right away. And if they say no, just be like, hey, no problem. Absolutely no problem. But then also make it not a problem. Like, yeah. don't be weird about it after that. Like, a lot of this is, a lot of these lonely feelings come from men unpacking ultimately a cultural sense of entitlement towards women's time and attention. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, like, 100%. And also, I just want to know for any guy, if they say no, and you can just be like, okay, cool. If you ever want to, if you ever want to, you know, get coffee or hang out, just let me know. Just yep. like leave that open, no pressure, and then don't bring it up again. Yep. Right? Because trust me, if they are interested, right? Because I had one thing. This is one of the first dating things I ever learned. Uh, I was in elementary school, and I asked a girl to the spring fair, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I've already made plans with my friends, which I thought was a nice way of letting me down. So I just asked out someone else. And her mother was a lawyer in the same building as my dad. And she's just like, came, was like really angry. And like told my dad that your son broke my daughter's heart. Cause it turned out that she really had already made plans with her friends. Oh, um, and she was hurt that I like turned around and like asked out someone else uh, instead. Though we sorted it out in high school. It took a while. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. But like sometimes when the person tells you they're busy, they're just actually busy. Yeah. Just like take it at face value. Don't read into it. Like, I don't think I did anything wrong. I wasn't obligated to like wait around or anything like that. We were in fifth grade. It was yeah. all right. Um, but like sometimes people just honestly tell you the truth. Um, and that's okay. Again, just don't make it weird. And the key is fill your life with enough other people and enough other things that they're not like, they are not like the one option, yeah. right? That you are like, fixated on and, and if you search if you're constantly searching for someone else or like validation from somebody else to make you happy you're never going to be happy yeah right and i think that's the recurring we, we talk about this all the time with all these sad lonely like uh <laughs> man boys is they're always searching for some external source of validation like if i yeah. just get another million dollars if i get just another million followers yeah. like then i'll be happy <laughs> well right? there's there's also this idea of like like women i find have a diverse group of friends from a diverse group of sources where like i think that like you know my former partner had a ton of friends that he played video games with and he like but like the thing that made it a real friendship is that like then he went out into the world and yeah. met them and like yeah you know, met them, met their families. Like one, it was like this, you know, family that had like lived basically down the road from him at like the state that he used to live in. And then when he was traveling, he stayed with their family. They played video games in real life, but also they like ate meals and like <laughs> sat around a campfire and like had conversations and like built a friendship outside of the game. So like, it's not that it's not that those things aren't real friendships. They 100% are, but it's that like a real friendship requires for example, I have known my friend John Wynn since I was 18 years old. And mostly we had an online, literally an online friendship because we both like Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Nice. And 
a couple times he happened to come to Indianapolis and we like, you know, met, like he brought his now his wife and like some of his friends. And like that really, what I said was like, it feels like a real friendship now. Mm -hmm. Like, even though we had known each other for over a decade, it never felt like a real friendship until we met up. And I think, I think unless you're a member of one of our generation, which exists <laughs> long before the, the internet, the internet superhighway, information superhighway, go on there, go click, 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 they're like, hey, um, I'm having a wing night at this restaurant. And you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go meet this person in, in person. And then it really does become a friendship. But I'm I'm sorry to say your online friendships, whatever they are, they're not real until you meet in person. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I not do me- want to note that, that Sarah and I have met in person. Yes. I just want to make that clear. And, and, and I have to say that, that was awesome. It, yeah. it was it was really, really awesome. But I think you're right that like... um. Uh, there's this so i'm like minor obsession with the k-pop so there's this new group that debuted in 2022 they're called new jeans they're amazing they're a girl group and if you haven't seen their music video for ditto d-i-t-t-o ditto uh it is fantastic it's by a production company that normally does movies so it feels very cinematic and um high concept and it's really about parasociality that Mm -hmm. it really it's about um a girl who you see with a handheld camera and you never see her face in the video. She's taking videos of the new jeans members, just like dancing and like hanging out at their high school or whatever. Uh, But then later when you see the video um, in the future, it's just her. There are no, uh, there's no group. She's just videotaping nothing. Oh, so it's about parasociality to a large extent and parasocial relationships with um, K-pop groups and stuff like that. And, one of the things it's also trying to bring out is the inherent loneliness of it and the way that it can feel real and intense and like almost dreamlike, but it's not the actual relationship. You don't actually know these people um, uh, in in any real way. The same way that like, you know, by we talk about parasociality, we're talking about something that feels like uh, a social relationship through media, but is not actually a social relationship. Like for example, with me and Sarah, you can get the feeling like people have, described our podcast as like listening to two of your uh friends having a really fun conversation that you get <laughs> yeah. to listen to but like we are not actually having the conversation with you in the room it just feels that way correct um and i think often we've exchanged real social relationships for these parasocial relationships that's right um and that that that's a loss that's yeah. i mean i'm gonna be honest that's that's a net loss and the more you use things like social media to substitute for actual socializing, the lonelier you feel weird. That's correct. Yeah. Um, b- because like in Ditto, um, when you actually look at it, it turned out to be a dream. It like vanishes into the ether in a way that real social relationships stick with you Yep. Um, uh, as you move forward in your life. So I just, first of all, watch New Jeans. Their <laughs> first their first song and video attention are is okay, but like everything they've done after that is freaking incredible. Um cuz like Ditto and and OMG uh, are particularly just like oh, like high concept, high art, fantastic. Um and it's a little terrifying considering how young they all are. Like they I look at when they're all born 
and it makes me feel oh so very fucking old it all starts with a two doesn't it oh yeah Damn. and like there they were minors when they debuted so um like they were literally they like two of their members just graduated from high school oh. like they were already famous and like they had their high school graduation ceremony and it's just like oh god i mean it's the uh, it's the k-pop machine like the k-pop machine is yeah. is it's it's a scientific formula and if anybody has it down it's the k-pop machine you know yeah, yeah and it's it's also very 90s so those of yeah. you who are looking for a nostalgia bomb bomb a lot of their um styling and dancing is an up is updated from the 90s um and uh also it's not the most technical dancing a lot of it is actually looks like like the ultimate perfected version of what high school girls do together and can yeah. do together so like there's a reference to like a conga line dance um in omg which is hilarious and funny but then when you actually break down the way they're doing it the reason it doesn't feel ridiculous is that they're doing it so exquisitely well yeah something that seems silly they're doing it with an attention to detail that seems like too much for a conga line dance but like is what makes it not seem ridiculous anyway the point um, the point that we are making here outside of yeah. k-pop is that like um we are social monkeys like we're yeah. big stupid social apes and a lot of our adaptive mechanisms for example tears are clear for a reason because mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be able to see them from far away which would be like where your enemy can see, but people who get close enough to you can see that you're crying and render you some aid. Um, but you know, uh, we are, we are monkeys and I think it's, um, how do I put this nicely? Like, I think when there are something like one of my big complaints about like Gen Z culture is it's very, very thick with meaning and it's very, um, um, subdivided, like, you know, you can, mm -hmm. uh, subcultures really exist in kind of like these silos. Um, and first of all, of like a, a, a masthead rule that you should keep for like your friendships is like unite through things that you like and not through things that you hate, which yes. like <laughs> forming social bonds through things that you hate is like how the proud boys happen is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you find yourself being drawn to something that isn't, that's grievance based, let's put it that way, you know, like in cell communities. <laughs> well, right. I mean, like I was in cell communities, like one of those things, but like, I, you know, I'm thinking the thing of they hate is themselves. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm thinking about like the manosphere, right? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. which might just be you eating weird liver from that, fucking you know lunatic and and weightlifting and that's fine but like you might fall into other things that are based on your opposition to them so move forward and like exclusively make friends based on things that you like and love and are positive influences on your life and aren't like hating minorities for example yeah there is one uh there was one uh, uh stream i was watching by healthy gamer where they had a bunch of guys who are on there who are talking about their insecurities with their masculinity. And like most of them were your stereotypical nerds, but there was one guy who was by like the incel definition, like a Chad, like he was ripped. He was good looking. Like he had been successful with women, but you know, he had gotten really into the weightlifting subculture through his family, through his brothers and his dad. And the funny thing, and I think the important thing for other, these, these young men to hear was that he felt just as inadequate in his masculinity as they there did. You go. That even though from the outside he looked to fill the Chad ideal, he was constantly worried yeah. about whether he was ripped enough, whether he was successful enough with that women. He didn't feel happy about it. He felt yeah. really like 
terrified um, at all times and insecure. And like, I think that, you know, I think the point that that you bring out that's important is like, focus on the things you like. Yeah. Like there are enough other weird monkeys out there who will like the same thing. And um, I, I, yeah. I, I, as I accidentally make a monkey noise with my mouth because I'm tired. Um, but uh, women are people. Women are people. Men are also people. Like if you are sort of moving forward from uh, a um, stereotypical standpoint of of the genders, right? Like there are plenty of women who are just like, all oh, men are stupid in the same. And, you know, there are some diamonds in the turds is all I'm saying. Like there are mm-hmm. small diamonds. You're going to have to get some bent tweezers for it and, and some, and some loops, but you'll find them. Uh, and, and at the same time, like <sighs> a common problem among, among lonely people is they see those outside of them who they want to belong to in some way or another as like a teeming herd of cattle, right? Like one, <laughs> body that they need to like like some kind of hyena or predator like find an opening or the weak member of you know to enter because like you don't fully see those people as human and like mm-hmm. that could be that that's including the chads right like this is like incel to chad like you don't see the chads as fully human mm-hmm. you see them as a pile of muscles that women who you see as a whole group of people who are entirely shallow you know just glom onto because they like their you know muscle striations if you dehumanize and you and I listen, I say this as somebody who ironically and unironically announces that men are trash on, on various points, but the kind of men I like tend to agree with me. Um, like if you are if you are if you become obsessed with a group that won't have you as a teeming same mass of sameness, you are guaranteeing that you will never find entry in there, you know, 100 yeah, percent. And also. Be careful who you, I always say, like, be careful who you idolize, who you look up to. Yeah. That, like, you know, we dunk on Elon for a lot of reasons, but the thing is that there are a lot of young men who really idolize Elon. Yeah. And I think it's really dangerous because Elon represents a model of masculinity that will make people miserable. Yep. That if they achieve what Elon has, they will be just as miserable as he is. This is not a happy person. Yeah. Right? That, like, when, when I talk about, you know, they ask for like good models of masculinity and I'm just like, look at men who are happy, yeah, you know, without being like douchebags. Like, yeah. I, like I bring this up again, like Keanu Reeves seems like a pretty good model of masculinity, <laughs> yeah. like super, super happy guy, like not a douchebag at all. Like seems like a, a pretty stand up dude gets along with everyone. Um I would even say like LeBron James is a yeah. great model of masculinity. Yes, he right? is. Um, like there are a lot of positive role models out there. And the one thing that you get is that they're all happy people. And they're nurturing people. Like, yeah. you know, there's uh, that that is something that really escapes a lot of men. And I, in a lot of ways, like I see people like my dad as kind of a victim of the patriarchy mm-hmm. and that like he's, you know, became very obsessed with this idea of seeming as masculine as possible. When what that really does is like it robs you of the opportunity to be nurturing, which you might find out that you really like, like, you know, there is nothing. There was this guy that posted this TikTok um, about like 
how he loves to make his wife's lunch. Like it makes him so happy to send her off with like, he makes these huge lunches, by the way, there's like, she works 12 hours. She's a nurse. So she works 12 hour shifts. And he's like, it makes me feel good to know that she has a full day of food that like someone cared enough to like provide her. And the comments were ape shit about women being like, God, yes, God, yes. This is all I want. Like fuck Mm. roses, fuck jewelry. I want someone to pack me a nutritious lunchbox. And like, a lot of men still have this idea that women want these heroic gestures like three times a year when it's like, no, I want you to pack my string cheese so I don't have to do it, please. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure that the kitchen is clean. Make sure that maybe, maybe scrub the toilet so I don't have to like, you know, organize the house, do the laundry, little things, important things, but make, it's about making the other person's life easier. Yes. Same. And say, that rule applies with your friendships as well. Yeah. You should have the, your, your friendship goals and your uh, romantic goals will be the same, which is you want to make sure that your friends feel safe, heard and, and taken care of, right? Like yeah. safe, heard and considered. Right. And yeah. same thing goes for all of your same relationships. And if like, when men are like, Oh, well, I wouldn't treat a woman like that. It's like, okay, maybe you need to treat men better. Like, why don't you start it off with like, being nicer to other men if you are if you wouldn't if you don't want a woman to come in your shop because you don't want to hear the horrible things that men say to each other how about you say nicer things to other men yeah 100 percent. so i have to say thank you sarah for making me feel less lonely our time over together is <laughs> always really enjoyable always I love super it. fun yes me yeah. too and uh, I heard that also you've been busy with some new stuff uh, with metal honey so tell me <sighs> about it yeah Uh, she's rocking some merch uh so um we just put out two new sauces um and i get to use xanthan gum for the first time which if you've never used xanthan gum it makes things into a gel um cool so it's a it's a natural substance too which is pretty cool but so that's out um it's a satay stinger which is a mild thai peanut sauce with it's very limey and bright and citrusy and delicious Mm. and then the other is called so it goes which is a general so style sauce uh, garlic, ginger, all the all the usual suspects, plus Cuban sour orange. You can find all that at metalhoney.com. Use the coupon code PERPSTEW, and I think you get free shipping. Type it in the box. See what happens. It's a surprise to both of us. That's awesome. And I have to say, I, I've been lo- I looked at the sauces. I saw that uh, like the uh, the promos you've been doing online for some of the uh, uh, various events that you were at, and damn, that stuff looks amazing. So try out the sauces. Uh, let us know. Um, let us know how they are. Like, let us know what you think and what you've yeah. been using them for. Uh, you can always contact the show uh, on Twitter at Perp Stew. Um, so tweet at us. Let us know uh, what you think, your feedback, if you have any suggestions uh, for uh, topics for us to cover. Um, and I'll give an update on my stuff uh, soon enough. But otherwise, I think that's going to do it for us today. This has been the Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. Until next time, stay curious. Bye.